Good morning. Hey, I'm just wondering off the side here if anybody, any one of you, have just struggled with obedience at any point in time. And beyond that, the question really is, was it just the one obedience you struggled with, or do you struggle with it like I do every darn time? This is not, I just want to say this, this is not a made-up problem that only pastors talk about. This is real. We are called to be obedient to God, to trust and obey, as the song used to say, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. But let's listen into this text today. I think there's two main human responses on how God's Spirit guides us in obedience or how God's Spirit deals with us in obedience. And here it is in John 13, 1 through 20. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew the Father had given him authority over everything, and then he would come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, and wrapped the towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When he came to Simon Peter, Peter said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Unless I wash you, you don't belong to me, Jesus replied. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands, my head, not just my feet. Jesus again a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. This is what he meant when he said not all of you are clean. After washing his feet, their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I am your Lord and teacher... Since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than the master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. I'm not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I've chosen. But this fulfills the scripture that says, The one who eats my food is turned against me. I tell you this beforehand so that when it happens, you will believe that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me. And anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. The first the first main human response, the first, the worst, to obedience. I don't like it. I'm not doing it. 
you can't make me. It's my way or the highway. I think somewhere in here, Judas really sort of exemplifies this. It's got to be what's going on in him that Jesus, after all this time, isn't doing it the way that Judas wanted it done. And because it isn't the way that Judas wants it done, then Judas makes himself available to think that maybe it would be better if this whole thing was over. And so he does this. But I want you to know, if you sit here in this location, I don't like it, I'm not doing it, you can't make me. And it's not a one-time thing, but you become, don't like this. I'm not doing it. I don't like it. You can't make me. I'm not gonna. If you sit in that place long enough, Judas will become your role model. I don't think he's actually a very good role model. I don't think you want him as your role model. But what I'm trying to tell you is this, that if you hold this attitude towards obedience, God's asking you to do something, I'm not gonna, don't wanna, not, you can't make me. This is not the same as I didn't do it, nobody saw me. This is, no. This is, this is, I'm not gonna. And you can't make me, it doesn't matter what you do. Even if I go along for the ride a little bit, I'm not doing it. If you do this pretty soon, leaving, leaving the situation will be what you will do. I'm just telling you, that's the primary human response. It explains a lot of things that happen when people leave churches. As I mean, remembering that we live in a culture where where everybody's a consumer, and if sooner or later you're not offering something like that, then and that's all you're after is the convenience of the church body doing things for you instead of you serving, you're going to leave for that reason. But if you're serving and you're doing it and things are happening that you don't like and you hold it and you, you sidle on up next to it and you... you hold that opinion very close and you get madder and madder and madder and madder about it. Pretty soon, Judas is your role model. You will leave. And you won't just leave. You'll leave unhappy and grumpy and all those things. And I think most of us have seen people do that over the years at one place or another. This is what it is. Asked to do something with a certain type of heart, not willing to do it. So that's the first human response. Here's the second one that I see a lot, okay? The second, the norm. In golf, we call this a double cross, okay? Peter exemplifies it here. You will never wash my feet. Well, unless I wash you, Peter, you're not mine. Then not just my feet, but everything. So the reason I call this in cross a double cross is you get up and you hit a ball that bends really big to the right. And you correct it, and the next thing you know, it's going the opposite direction, and you can't control anything. You're going one way, then the other, and the other way. That's the classic double cross. You've overcorrected. You've overcorrected. I, I don't want normally use golf examples in my sermons, but I needed to tell you this. I won't do it becomes not just 
that, but in every single thing, I'm going to go, look, if, if God's talking to you about doing something, then do that thing. It's okay. You don't have to do that thing and then force everybody to do you that thing exactly the same way or to go overboard like Peter does here. It's obedience that's what's being asked, not a rule change for your entire existence. I know that lots of times we think that God only asks really big things like, I want you to go become a missionary in, in darkest Africa. It's not that. That is a long obedience in the same direction. And there are 45 choices and interactions with God before Africa missionary becomes, or Middle East missionary, or any missionary call, even any pastoral call happens. It's not, God doesn't drop it on you one second and say, I think you're going to, you're, I want you to be a pastor and you go do that thing. You've developed this pattern of saying yes on littler things like, can you talk about me with your neighbor? Because I hate to tell you this, that if you're not willing to talk about God with your neighbor, you're probably not going to be able to talk about God as a pastor. It's just not going to happen. Anyway, but these are the two things that happen in your life is, is the first, the worst, right? I don't like it, and you just sit there. The other is this complete Peter over and back and over and back rather than just hearing what Jesus is saying and doing it. So here's the Jesus way. It says it right here in the beginning of this thing. I love this. Jesus knew the hour that had come to leave this world and return to the Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Okay, At, it was time for supper, and Judas was already there being prompted. But here it is. Jesus took the time to finish the job, what was being asked. I was talking with somebody the other day that was, he was describing an interaction he'd been having with somebody who'd, who'd been mad about something. And that person says, well, I think I've done every single thing possible to fix the situation. And, and the guy I was talking to said, everything? Is it resolved? Because if it's not resolved, everything is a really big word for resolution. I've done everything to make it right, and we can't make it right. It's not the same as I've done everything that I thought I should, could get away with doing and leaving. Anyway, Jesus took the time to finish the job of it. That means, and I need you to hear this, he washed Judas's feet. He served him. Think about that. Jesus, Judas took communion. Judas gets feet washed. Judas's attitude was, I'm with you, Jesus, until the very minute, and he wasn't, but he wasn't ever really with him because he was up there doing, I don't like it, it's not going the way I want it. If he doesn't change, I'm gonna I'm out of here. Anyway. 
Before you can finish the job, though, you have to know the task. So his task was to come and do what God had asked him to do. And the only way that we can know that task is that we can spend the time learning God's heart, that we learn to trust and be set free to serve and all those things. But we have to learn what the task is and then follow through on the task. Okay? So not just knowing the job, not just doing the job, but knowing the job and following all the way through with, and this is Jesus, because he knew what was going, where he was going and where he was from and all that stuff. We as believers, we know where we're from and we know that God's doing stuff for us. We can then be released into a heart of love for service for people. This is not a small task, but it is trust and obey for there's no other way, right? But before you obey and trust, this is this learned relationship where you try little things and, and you learn how to trust little things and then you try to trust big things and, and big and little things and sets and runs and, and five or six things all at once and you have to trust. But you do it at Jesus' way. He says this, he knew where he was, the Father had given him authority over everything, and he'd come from God and would return from God. So he got up from the table and wrapped a towel around his waist and filled a basin. He didn't just wrap a towel. He did it because he knew what was going on. He knew where his, no matter, look, this isn't going to go wrong if I wash Judas's feet. Actually, because I come from God and I'm going to God and I know it's coming, I can do this and I can love him right to the very end, even if he doesn't love me back. He's done everything. It's a really big word. He didn't do some of it. He didn't do everything to make some of everything to make it right with Judas. He did everything to make it right with Judas. And he poured water into a basin. So how do we learn from this process? One, we need to dig into our relationship time with Jesus. Not um, how most of us just do this. We just spend the time with him. Read his word. Be there. Interact with him. Take the time to learn from your mistakes and hear the corrections and all those things. I know this is this is a practiced, learned behavior. It takes a lot of work to do this sort of thing. And but but that's the first thing so that we can be set free because until we have the heart of trust of where we're going, it's really going to be hard to trust the work of our heart, even with people like Judas in our lives. And two, we're going to follow through. We're not going to just do the task that we're asked and do part of it and then say, well, I did part of it and I'm all done. No, we're going to follow through because we know where we're going. We know where we're from. I know that I, I'm from an attitude of non-responsiveness to God, but now I've been transformed or I'm in the process of being transformed into this person that loves God and his work. So here I am. I'm ready. Let's go. 
This is the heart of love. This is the source of the heart of love. This is the source of the ability to serve people that aren't going to treat you right. This is the ability to serve people and not go overboard. But one of the things that happens with the second Peter's response is we don't become rule keepers for everybody else's activities either. This, knowing where we come from and where we're going in, and the, knowing the heart of God and and the process and following through sets us free, church, to let us do our thing and let others do their thing with God. So how can we follow? Spend the time learning God's heart. Trust and obey. Follow through. Finish the task. Hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because then, he knew the time that he, he, the hour had come for him to leave this world. He loved his disciples through his ministry on earth. And then, now having loved them to the very end, he took up the, took up the stuff and served them more because he knew where he was going. Will you pray with me, church? Dear Jesus, I thank you for today. Thank you for Jesus' example in amongst our hearts that don't always respond the way that we think they ought to. I know that we don't always think they do. We know that you know exactly how we're responding. Lord, transform us and your people. But first, in that process, help us learn to know you and the work you're doing around us. Give us your heart, O oh God, that we might see through your eyes where we're going, and why we're doing what we're doing. In your precious name, Lord, amen.